You're listening to the Slumber Party Podcast with your host, Amanda Jusen, a mum of two girls, a child and infant sleep expert, and general sleep lover. If you're a tired parent who is desperate for answers or just someone who loves sleep, this podcast was created just for you. Each episode is packed full of tips and tricks to help you maintain your sanity as well as your social life during the early stages of parenthood. So grab your headphones, it's time to get comfy. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Slumber Party Podcast. I'm Amanda Jusen. Uh, today, we have a guest episode, and that means we uh, talk with people just like you who are experiencing the same problems just like you, uh, whether you like it or not. Um, and we go over what's happening, what to do about it, and all that good stuff. So today, we're with uh, Jordana, who wrote me like, look, I love my child, but I also have a partner and a husband that I would like to, I don't know, share bed with, uh, watch Netflix with, have a conversation more than three minutes, not about the child. Who knew these things can happen? And so this is, um, I had Jordana on as we were just talking before we started recording. It's a really common refrain, like I'm missing a connection with my partner. I love my kid. I'm kind of stuck. And so Jordana, welcome. Tell me what's happening. So this actually all started um, when my now almost five-year-old was about 16, 17 months old. And he was a fantastic sleeper until then. And then I don't know what happened, but he just would not stay in his crib. And we said, okay, after weeks and weeks of trying everything, we said, but we all get sleep when he comes in our bed. And we thought, some sleep is better than no sleep and it's working for everybody and let's get him in our bed. And he's essentially been in our bed ever since. And then um, in October of 2019, I was nine months pregnant with our second and I couldn't take this squirming three and a half year old in my bed anymore. So my husband um, brought my son into his own room and slept in there with him because my son was now not capable of sleeping by himself, never slept by himself before in his life. So my husband said, okay, it'll just be for a while. It'll just be for a little bit. And he's still there. (laughs) And I am in the master bedroom in a king size bed And I co-sleep with our now 15-month-old baby. So me and the baby are in the master bedroom, and my husband and my five-year-old are in their own room. And I have not shared a bed with my husband in a year and a half. Got it. That is what's up in this house. (laughs) Okay, so... uh I, you know, this might feel like a weird question because you're on this show and it probably feels like the answer is obvious, but uh, I'll ask you really quick. Um, do, do you want to continue to co-sleep? Uh, 
You know, it's I'm on the fence about it because part of me, um, I have never been away from my 15 month old from the moment she was conceived. She has always been literally right beside me from in my belly to in my bed. Um, and we had a little, one of those halo bassinets beside the bed. And when she grew out of that, she just came into our bed and I've never, I've never had a night without her. So part of me is a little anxious getting her out of my bed. And the other part of me is, oh my God, I need, like, I need a little bit of time away from my kids. Cause right now it is a hundred percent 24 seven. It is day and it is night and there is no break. Um, And at night, sometimes she sleeps well, sometimes she doesn't. And if she was in her own room, I wonder if um, her not sleeping well would, would interrupt my sleep as much as her, you know, right beside me. So it's a little, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm on the fence about it really tricky. Yeah. And I think that's a, it, it's always this I know question it's that I start off. Oh, well, you know, but that's just the thing. And I think it's the reason why I start off with that question is a lot of people will um, say, okay, I, I kind of want this, but we always forget that there is as much as that we want that time for ourselves and we want to be able to reconnect, there will be a change for both you and your child as a result of the the change in the sleeping arrangements. And there's something really nice and cuddly and magical about having that co-sleeping time with your child, right? Um, and, you know, you'll always hear that argument you know, they're only this little once, right? So then there's all of these things playing in your head, I'm sure, in that arena. Uh, On the other part of it is like, oh, but I'm a grown-up. I want to do grown-up things. I want to be able to, you know, one day leave the house. Uh, I want to be able to have someone else put her or him to bed. And so it's about really like when I have my clients and we're going through the motions, I really ask them to think about the question, do you really want to do this? Because kids, you know, they don't get this nuance that you and I are talking about again uh, right now. They don't get like, you know, sometimes sleeping with mom is great. Other times I could take it or leave it. And for a lot of kids, like from what I've heard, you know, um, for parents having a family bed, the kids will start to just grow out of uh, the co-sleeping. Obviously, they haven't when people get to me. So I don't have like a ton of stories of that happening. Um, But sometimes they don't. And your body and in that sleeping arrangement does become very much a part of their sleep dance. It will become a part of your sleep dance. It has already. So when you're no longer sleeping with your child and you stop, you're going to actually have some problems falling asleep as well. So it'll, it'll be a big change. You, uh, the great thing about humans is we're incredibly adaptable. So your child will learn. So will you, you will, you'll be able to rejig. You'll be like, okay, honey, it's you I kind of squish onto. My husband would never, he's always like, Amanda, I'm so hot. I'm like, oh, but I like a nice cuddle. It's too hot. <laughs> I'm like, okay, fine. Um, 
So now I sleep with a pillow. I did. I always think about like, um, I always talk to parents about their own sleep dance. And I think about mine all the time. And I grew up sleeping with this gnarly stuffed pig. I've talked about it on this podcast before. And like, literally, I kept it until I was, I think, 20, I want to say at least 23. And then I moved in with my husband, we moved to Australia and back and and pig was lost somewhere along the way. Lost, maybe I'm using air quotes for those of you who are oh, listening. No. Meaning maybe maybe my husband got rid of it. I don't think so. I think it was probably lost somewhere along the way. But I always slept this little stuffed pig and now I just sleep with a very squishy um, pillow instead, which is so much more adult than a stuffed animal. Um anyway. All okay. of this to no, say, but I have a, I do have a stuffed animal as well that is yes, in the bed with it. us. He, yes, he is. Is it yours like or your Twenty eight years old. His name is Woof Woof. He, okay. No, it's mine. My daughter's not allowed to touch her him. My son <laughs> is not allowed to touch him. They know like this thing is so fragile, but it's just like it just. Fits, but like so yeah. perfectly right like he's just mushed in and all the right and so you know my uh, it's a miracle that my husband like is actually still married to me <laughs> with like this you know 28 year old woof woof in the bed but it just it's not about the stuffed animal no. it's kind of just about how it like like sleeping with my arms, like kind of around yes. something. Anyways, yes. No, you're exactly right. You make me feel very normal, Amanda. Thank oh, you. good. Well, yeah, but I mean, listen, this is this is a perfect segue into what I want to talk about, and that is sleep is extremely behavioral. The fact that you can't give up woof woof, the fact that I can't stop sleeping with this snuggly pillow, um, there's not something wrong with us. It's just we've developed a set of strategies and movements and behaviors that make us feel sleepy after. So, you know, all of this to say, when we make a big change, so when you do bring up the idea to your five-year-old or your 18-month-old, look, I would like to sleep by themselves, it's going to be tough on them. It's always tough. It's tough on you. Meaning that I don't mean it's tough in a way that it shouldn't be tackled, but it's tough in that you're not going to say, okay, darling, go to bed. And they will say, no problem, mother. I will see you in the morning. They will challenge you um, because things are tough. It's just, you know, hard when they learn to tie their shoes. It's hard when they're learning how to talk and walk, all the same things. Now they're going to be learning how to sleep on their own, which can be challenging if they've had a lot of help along the way. So why do I say this? And it's because if parents are like, I call it like two toes in, if you're two toes in and you're like, I don't really know if I want to do it, when your child pushes back and says, no, you're going to be like, okay, forget it. I love you. Just come back. I can't. I don't care really that much. So then it really has to be like you and your partner have to have a conversation about what do we want? And then you really have to, in the light of day, come up with a plan that you will implement in the middle of the night. Because uh, when your child is making a sound or doing something at 3 a.m., nobody makes good choices. Everyone just does what they need to do in that moment to go right back to sleep. And then you're in a pickle. We've confused your child. And it gives us like three more days of funny business. Um so I would say that like because of that, everyone needs to be 100% on board. 
The cool thing, however, so the like bright light at the end of this, will your child cry? Probably. Will they have some feelings about it that they want to talk to you about? Yes, especially your five-year-old. Um, but I, I also think this podcast episode could be like, I'm afraid of my toddler's feelings because I know that I was personally with my own toddler. I, she was crazy. Like, I think it's a blessing that I became a sleep consultant um, because right around like two and a half, three, she was having all sorts of, you know, big feelings about the fact that we had another baby in the house. She had like crib hop. She was potty training in the middle of the night. She was in my room like three or four times, mommy, I need my blanket, mommy. And so we had to develop boundaries. Um, The cool thing about that is that there was a lot. I was so afraid to do it. I remember this very distinctly because during the toddler training portion of my training as a sleep consultant, I was like, oh, do we have to work with toddlers? And I remember the person training me was like, yeah, you're going to want to. And I was like, oh, my God. God, like I was so afraid. I was so like for a long time, people would call me like when I first started and they'd have like 18 months plus. I was like, yeah, I don't know that I can help you. Like, I'm sorry. (laughs) So I feel like I really understand that fear. Um, And then what's really great and why I love, 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 love working with toddlers and preschoolers now is what no one tells you is. When those boundaries are really firm and clear, there's a lot less crying, a lot less quickly, or a lot quicker than than what a parent would think. Um, it doesn't have to involve screaming, yelling, like it doesn't have to feel gross. It can be a really nice rite of passage, which parents really enjoy. Um You know, the idea that you can say, okay, you are a big kid now. This is something that you do at your age. And this is signifying growth and that you are ready to do more other responsibilities because kids, A, they love boundaries. They love rules. It makes them feel all warm and fuzzy inside. As much as they're like, no, I don't want to. They're like, oh, great. I have two parents who are in charge and say no. Um, And then the other part of that is they do feel really good about this rite of passage. And, And kids want responsibility. And they want signifiers that they are growing and achieving and doing all those things and praise. Um, So what I really love about this whole process is that it can really, I mean, this is such an, uh, might be an exaggeration, but you know, I don't know if you have this experience with your children um, or I guess with your child potty training. I found potty training a very bonding experience. It was exhausting, but I was right next to my child the whole time being like, hi, do you need to pee? Do you need to pee? And after the weekend, I was like, oh, you're so cute. And we fonded and it's nice. <laughs> potty training was a bit more traumatic for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I did... I felt, so we potty trained very late. We potty trained like the day after his fourth birthday. Um, It just didn't take any of the other times. Yeah, it doesn't feel late to me. It was funny because I was, I like with my son, I'm always good cop. I'm always like, 
that's okay. You're having a big feeling. We make mistakes. Like I'm always like, I'm very, I'm very like, I don't know. I'm very woke about, about all of that with my four-year-old. So like I would be the one cleaning up the messes and my husband would be the one with like zero patience. And I'm the one like literally washing the floor and the underwear and all of that. And I'm like, that's okay. You tried. (laughs) And I did really feel kind of at like, once it was done, like once, you know, the, the accidents had stopped and all of that, I'm like, that was pretty bonding. Like, you know, we, we connected a little bit and like, yes, I had, I had the battle wounds, but you know, it did kind of feel after in retrospect that it was, it was a a sweet little time with my, with my four-year-old. I love that. And I think a lot of my clients say a similar thing, which is that it wasn't half as bad as they thought it was going to be. Um, and that they, they really enjoyed, uh, the process of seeing their, their child grow. Um, so what I'll say is, and to anyone listening, helping it, it, you know, number one, you don't have to do this. You don't have to sleep train. You don't have to have your child sleep independently if that's not what you really want. Um, it may be worth finding other ways to connect with your partner, um, you know, outside of sharing a bed, you know, like how many people share a bed, but don't actually talk to each other or how many uh, couples are, are married and don't share a bed and it's for the best. <laughs> And they're more connected and, than ever. So I don't think like sharing a bed uh, necessarily means that. If you do feel like you're a little bit low on that one-on-one time, you need to probably find time to carve that out if the sleeping arrangements are not something you want to change. Um, however, if you do want to change them, know that it's not horrible. You know, like people will say things like, oh, it gets worse the later you are. Now, I think what they mean by that is that your child can talk to you and they can really communicate with you. But guess what that means? The byproduct of that is actually less crying because they can say, I don't want you to go instead of, I don't have words for what I want to say. So I'm just going to scream my face off at you. Um, and, And people are so surprised and amazed at how quickly and how quick it is without it being so super severe. So like I always say in this podcast, there's there's ways that you can do this, right? Um, you can support your child by literally staying in the room with them, inching yourself out every so often as you go. Um, uh, you know, if you give yourself like a week or 10 days to move yourself out of the room, you can move yourself away uh, from baby or child's bedside as you inch yourself out of the room. You can leave the room with checks. You can check on them, let them know that they're okay. In either scenario, the cool thing about older kids is like you can prep them and you can talk to them about what's happening as well. So that's something that I find very powerful that sometimes I feel bad, like it's not so bad now because my kids are five and seven, so they get a lot more. But when they weren't, and I was like, you know, for example, uh, let's say my oldest was like coming into my room for a spurt. I I know that 
I was not going to help her back to sleep. So I would tell her what would happen before. So it wasn't this big shock at 3 a.m. Like, okay, if you come into my room, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk you back to your room. I'm going to have to shut your door for a minute because you're coming out. And then I'm going to open it again. And I'll go through that with you before. And I feel like it preps them. They're also going to double check that you do what you say. So whatever you say you should do, don't, don't, um, I want to say half-ass it, but that's not a nice way to say it because you're not half-assing it. You're just like, ah, I don't want you to cry. Don't um, say you're going to do anything and change it. On the other side, don't move the boundary. So a common one would be like, okay, I'm leaving in your room. I'm going to leave the door open. And then your child will say, can you leave it open this much? And then if you've already have the predetermined Length of door open, you got to stick to that. It sounds so stupid, but the moment that we don't, your child's like, no, 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 no. Okay, what about five books? Also, I have to go to the bathroom 17 times. It's like an uh, entry point to pushing more boundaries. So it's got to be really, really tight. That's why having that plan that you sit down and write or make, or you know, you hire a consultant and we'll help you do that for you, but you sit down with your partner and you're like, okay, when they come out, this is what we're doing. I'll do the first one. Maybe you do the second one. Okay. Or I'll, I'll tackle this kid tonight. You tackle this kid the next night. This is what we're going to do. And then lay it out with your children. They're old enough to get it. Make them on board. Okay. So, you know, March 9th is the first day you sleep on your own. So uh, if March 9th is the day, the days before we are going to prep you and let you know what we're going to do, reward your child, especially these older kids. They love rewards. People will say things like, Amanda, I really want them to intrinsically like sleep and do what I want them to do because they know it's the right thing. I do too. But at their level of development, they don't... It, it, it'll be a lot harder to get that right away. The rewards are just an outward signal to let them know that they're on the right track. You don't have to continually physically reward your child for their whole life. I don't. You'll forget one day. So will they. They'll move on and you just continue with that positive reinforcement. Um, your 18-month-old, I would suggest keeping in a crib for as long as you can. Again, it's going to feel a little like sleep training. You can also chat with her about what's going on. Here's what's happening. I'll be outside. I'm coming in every this many minutes. When I do, I'm going to give you a kiss and a hug. I'm going to let you know you're okay. And then I'm going to leave again. And then you're going to just do that. It's, it's, it's okay. Now she probably because she's 18 months old. How, how verbal is, how verbal is she? Um, she's, she's not bad. She's kind of where she should be. She, and she's, she's also, God bless her. She's very obedient. Thank God. Like go get this or, you know, help clean up. And she is like, I, I have one in one, like I have one fantastic little obedient mini me. And the other one is just, you know, a little bit of a tornado, but she's, <laughs> she's pretty good. And she does seem to understand certain things. So as soon as you said that, I thought, Hmm, I think, I wonder if she would get it. Like, I wouldn't know until I tried, but I wonder if she would get it if I kind of prepped her a little bit. Um, yeah. She does do naps on her own. So the room is not foreign to her and the bed is not foreign. Mm -hmm. Like the crib isn't foreign to her. Like she naps in her crib. It's just nighttime would be with me. 
Well, and what's so funny about this whole thing is, uh, you know, you saying, oh, she naps in her bed. So many of my older toddler kiddos will um, just like kill it at daycare. They're amazing at daycare. They sleep unassisted. They sleep for two hours. They come home, they look at their parents and they're like, never, I'm never napping. And, and, And then it just reminds you, oh, this is so behavioral. This is not a matter of like, can they do it? This is just a habit that we've got into. Now, if you want to hold on to that habit, hold on to it. If you want to change it, it's also really okay for you to set a boundary and hold that boundary. And that's okay. Like my kids are not allowed in my room. They would love to go in my room, but they're just not allowed. And I don't really feel bad about it. They got to know that like some things are for them. Some things are for me. And it's okay to hold something that doesn't feel like it's serving you anymore. I'm not convinced personally, Jordana, that the co-sleeping is not something you and your husband are fine with. Like, I think that you guys are probably cool with it. Um, But if you are like, I'm tired, I'm not sleeping, I don't see my husband, then it might be worth looking into and your kids will be okay. Yeah, we're, you know what, we're really honestly on the fence about it. And it's interesting. Um, You know, yeah, I, my husband has been home with the pandemic. He's been home for a year. I don't remember the last time I had an uninterrupted conversation with him. And I have like, I'm with him 24 seven. So part of me is saying like, but you know, if she was out of the bed, We could actually sit and have a conversation or come downstairs and watch a movie or whatever, because the kids would be in their own safe space right now. You know, he's upstairs in the bed with her because we can't leave her unattended in a king size bed. Um, And then the other, you know, like uh, it's, I'll be straight up honest. I went through a bit of a postpartum anxiety. Mm -hmm. And me being in the master bedroom by myself with the baby sometimes made me think, well, if someone breaks into the house, they come into the master bedroom first and I'm alone. Mm. And my husband is in the other room. So it was things like that where he would say, okay, I'll wait for you to fall asleep. But that's kind of like I had stage fright. And I'm like, I can't just like fall asleep with you sitting here waiting for me, you know? So part of me was like, I need my husband back in my bed. Like, it's just he makes me feel safe. And and without him in the bed, sometimes I would get a little like and it could be completely, you know, it's obviously it's postpartum anxiety that I went through. So may make sense to some people and other people be like, okay, you make no sense. But for us in particular, it was really important that he got back in the room. The problem with that is the sacrifice would be one or both of our kids could not be in the bed with us. And our whole family has been accustomed to that for X amount of time. So it's kind of like a, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like, you know, almost like a win-win or a lose-lose. So it's, it's, it's so tricky. It's it so, it's not a clear cut answer, yeah. I think for us or, or for anybody else. Like it's, yeah. and I love that because I think um, a lot of, I, I think that there's a lot of shame in talking about um, 
oh, I sleep with my older child or my child doesn't sleep on their own and that's what's expected at this age. But it is so common, Jordana. So like there's going to be like a gazillion people listening to this that are like, I connect so deeply with this story and that situation. And, And that's why there's no one size fits all solution. For anyone. Um, so I think it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's one of those things where number one, so my steps for success as we enter or exit this crap nap length podcast, my steps for success are number one, do you want to do it? Answer that question um, with your partner and answer it honestly, and maybe take a few days. Maybe you answer separately and come back and talk about it. Um, do you have a plan? Do you have a plan to do it? If you do want to do it, um, is it, does it discuss every possible detail? So have you discussed night wakings? Have you discussed naps? Have you discussed what happens when your child doesn't nap? Um, it might require some additional research into some methodologies that you feel good about, which leads me to the last part. Does it feel good to you? Um, is it feeling like something that is, uh, your methodologies, are they feeling like something that you can feel really good about that uh, is empowering to everyone in the family and that you can be really consistent on as well. Because if you're not consistent, you're a tricky toddler. They're smarter than us, I promise you. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on here, Jordana, and and sharing your story. Thank you for having and me. And also just being so open to being like, in the middle about this, because I think that's where a lot of people are. Yay. Yeah. It's, uh, every time I, I talk to someone, it kind of sounds like, Oh, we're in the same boat. We're in the same boat. So yeah, I think, um, you know, the more we, we talk about some of this stuff, I think the more we, we have a bit of compassion to what other people are going through and we all kind of feel like we're, we're in the same storm sometimes. Absolutely. And I think the big message that I want to share is, um, change is possible for older kids and older babies. It's absolutely possible, but you also don't have to do it. Um, so there, I know that there are a lot of people who will write me as well, be like, oh, I think it's a lost cause. And I'm like, no, 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 it's not. I promise. And it's so fast. <laughs> well, thank you, Jordana. Um, to everyone watching, you can find Thanks so much. My pleasure. You can find more Slumber Party podcasts wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can watch a video recording, if you're not already, on my YouTube channel, Baby's Best Sleep. You can find more tips and tricks and and DM me on Instagram at Baby's Best Sleep. And finally, if you are really stuck and you are feeling tired, uh, we work around the world. So you can head over to babiesbestsleep.com and book your free discovery call with myself or another member of our amazing compassionate team we can get you to sleep as soon as possible have a good one everyone bye